I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor is a door of hope. Now look what will happen. She will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. In other words, I'm going to give her her song back in the wilderness. Now, Lord, thank you for your word today. I pray that you will speak to us, and I pray that many people that are in a wilderness experience or in a troubling experience will be lifted up today by the word of God. Send your word and heal us. I pray if we dragged in, we'll go out skipping. I pray if we came in with a frown, we'll go out with a smile. I pray if we came in discouraged, we'll go out encouraged. Because you sent your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're going through, you're not staying in the wilderness. Amen. Now, we've been talking about the wilderness for a few weeks, and probably ending this today, we'll see, but the wilderness of trouble, the wilderness of trouble. Now, I want you to notice that God said that he's the one who would bring his people into the wilderness, that he would do it. Now, there are times when God leads his people into a wilderness time. I want you to remember Jesus. Remember when it says that Jesus went down to the Jordan, got baptized in water. When he came up, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And after the Holy Spirit came upon him, the very first thing that happened was the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. And there he was tempted by the devil, very really experienced what I call the showdown in the desert. He went arm in arm, hand to hand, combat with the devil. And it says when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he came out in the power of the Spirit. So something happened to Jesus in the wilderness. Something was released in the wilderness. It worked for his good to go through the wilderness. Now, I'm not going to try to preach you into a wilderness. I want to bring you a word, if you're in one, that will help you navigate through it and have confidence in it that God is working it out for your good. Now, in the wilderness experiences of life, God gets our undivided attention. You know, if you were God, you'd be amazed how hard it is to get your attention. And I'm talking about me as well, because there's all kinds of competing voices, distractions that really carry our attention away from the Lord and onto the affairs of this life. And sometimes the Lord has to bring us into a wilderness place, really, for us to get certain things out of our life. Things that need to be shaken out, moved out, delivered out, laid down, walked away from. In the wilderness, worldly pursuits are no longer satisfying, and we learn to hate them and desire Jesus more in the wilderness times, because he's got our undivided attention. When Israel arrived in the wilderness, God gave her vineyards from there and made the valley of Achor a door of hope. Now, I want to explain to you the Valley of Achor because that doesn't mean anything to most of you. Let me tell you what it means. A little bit of history. When he mentions in Hosea chapter 2 here the Valley of Achor, Achor in Hebrew literally means trouble or actually troubling. To be troubled or experience troubling. In Joshua 7 verses 10 through 26, you can read about when the Valley of Achor was coined. It was coined by Joshua 
because there was a man named Achan who was one of the soldiers in the army of Israel, and they went to take a particular uh, city, actually it was Jericho, and when they went into Jericho, Achan stole some idols that were made of silver. He stole these idols, and he took them to his tent, and he dug a hole underneath his bed, and he buried this stolen treasure, silver, he covered it up, and he said, now I'm okay. Nobody knows. This is between me and God. All right, fast forward. The next town they decide to take is called Ai. Ai is so small that Joshua says, you know, we don't even need to really send uh, our whole army. Let's just send some of our elite force and let them go into Ai, Ai and take it because it won't be that big a deal. So they send this elite force, and the men of Ai came out and totally slaughtered the people of Israel. And they came running back to Joshua, utterly defeated. It says Joshua fell on his face, and he said, oh my God, something is wrong, because if God is for us, who can be against us? And when we went against Jericho, we totally won. It is not the will of God that we lost this battle. If we had the favor of God, we not, would not have lost. So what's going on? And God said, get up off your face and stand up, and I'm going to talk to you. And God told Joshua when he stood up, he said, there's sin in the camp there's sin in the camp. And Joshua, that's the problem. And so the Bible says that Joshua got together a search and find team, and they started going tent to tent to tent and asking, is there sin? Is there sin? Is there anything in your life that has brought this curse upon us? And the Bible says they came to the tent of Achan, and Achan was trembling in his boots. He knows that in his tent, buried in the ground, is stolen silver, idols that were used for idol worship. And so he's trembling, and he faces the man, the man, the top man, Joshua. And I love what Joshua says to him. He looks at him, and he says, give God the glory, son. <laughs> give God the glory, son. Have you got anything you shouldn't have? And he said, oh, I confess, it's me. I saw these idols of silver and I stole them. And, and I'm going to tell you the rough part. Because men had lost their lives in this battle that would never have lost their life if there hadn't been sin in the camp. So, so Achan was guilty of having brought the death on many people. And so the Bible says that Joshua got him and his family and all of his cattle and all of his goods and they were all executed. Everybody say, that's tough. Say, in this day and age, we don't do that. I mean, that's tough for us to hear here in America, but that's what happened. Now, here's the good news. As soon as Achan was dealt with, the blessing of God came back. And they began to take city after city, and they moved forward. Now, here's what happened. Joshua came up with the name of Achor in the valley of Achor. He said, after Israel lost the battle... Joshua said, this will from now on be called the Valley of Achor. And then it says in verse 25, Joshua said, because why did you bring trouble on us to Achan? So when Israel and the Hebrew people thought about Achor, it was immediately negative. When, when, when the Hebrew people thought about Achor, it reminded them of defeat, of compromise, of loss, of harsh judgment, and it was a real, real negative. So in Hosea... When we read that God has made 
the valley of Achor, a door of hope, it's no small thing. Anybody who was a Hebrew and heard this said, what? You're going to turn the valley of Achor into a door of hope? You're going to turn trouble into hope? You're going to transform trouble into hope? God was telling Israel that he was going to take them from a wilderness of great trouble to a place where, are you ready? I love this. Hope was all they saw. Now, let me bring this home to us today. Trouble happens to everybody in this room. Many of you today are in a time of trouble. Trouble is in your life. Sometimes, like Achan, we bring the trouble upon ourselves, and that's the hardest trouble to go through. When you know you did it to you, when you know you played the fool, and I've been there a hundred times, you played the fool, and because you made a bad decision, now you're in a valley, a wilderness of trouble. We make bad choices, or we take a well-meaning but an unwise path, or we involve ourselves in something that God has said that's forbidden, but we go anyway, like Adam and Eve. Took the fruit of that tree when God had said, that's the one thing I don't want you to touch, one thing I don't want you to eat, and that's the very thing they ate. They had their choice of everything, but they took that one. How many of you know exactly what that's like? When you're in trouble, valley of trouble, the troubled one, when trouble has come your way, you've got problems that seem bigger than you. Some of you are there right now. You often feel like there is no way out. You look around to the left, to the right, up, down, all around. You see no way around it, through it, above it, below it. Trouble has come knocking on your door. Worry, fretting, sleeplessness, despair are familiar companions to the person who is in trouble. And I'm talking to people who are saved because never does the Bible say if you're saved, you won't have trouble. We feel like the disciples in the storm at sea, with the waves beating against our boat, and the waves are coming over, and the wind is howling, and the rain is falling, and the lightning is flashing, and it even seems like Jesus is asleep in your boat. They were in that boat, not of their own idea. Jesus had said, get into the boat, we're going to the other side. So they were in the boat at Jesus' call, and now they're in this storm. They didn't do anything wrong. And they said, Jesus, don't you care that we perish some of you have felt that way. Don't you care, Lord? Are you watching? Are you aware? Do you know where I'm at? Do you know what I'm experiencing? Why this? Why that? And Jesus got up, I love this, got up and yawned and looked at the wind and said, stop it. And went, nothing. He looked at the rolling, threatening waves and said, stop your rolling. And the waves stopped. And the disciples asked the million-dollar question, who is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And I can almost hear Jesus saying, that's exactly what I wanted you to ask. So let me inform you, I am not just any man. I am very God. So nature obeys me. But many of you are troubled today. You love the Lord. You've tried to live right. You've been doing all the right things. You've been faithful in many things, and yet trouble has come knocking from nowhere on the door of your life, your marriage is in trouble, 
or your kids have gone crazy and gone off and you've been wondering what you did wrong and can I inform you chances are you didn't do anything wrong they've got their own will but still you're having to deal with that and and navigate that and it's a storm because you can't believe where they've gone trouble has come knocking you've lost your job and you didn't do anything wrong they just downsized or for some reason you were asked to step down and now you don't have a job don't know where you're going to go don't where know where the money's going to come from or how your bills are going to be paid you're in a wilderness of trouble and then others of you are like Achan you've made a bad decision or a series of bad decisions and the peace of God has lifted And now the consequences are rolling in, and sometimes you feel like they are more than you can bear. How am I going to get out of this, God? How am I ever going to recover? How am I ever going to get out on the other side and skip again and smile again and sing again? And I came with a word today for you of very good news. I came to preach Jesus up and preach the devil down. I'm going to tell you, with Jesus, there is always hope. I want you to say with me, with Jesus, Jesus. say it like you mean it, with Jesus, Jesus. there is always hope. hope. I like doing that because hell has to hear that. I like giving hell heaven. So how is he with me? Because I don't sense him, Jeff. Here's how. He's there for you with a promise consisting of four I wills. I want you to listen to them. First one, I will bring you into a wilderness place. That's good news. I'm going to show you that in just a moment. Second, I will speak tenderly to you there. Third, I will give you vineyards from there. Fourth, I will transform the valley of your trouble into a door of hope. Now, that's, those are four Great I wills. Amen? Now let me just deal with them one at a time. I will bring you into a wilderness place. I will. Now when God says I will, he's going to do it. I will. I will. Now when I hear that God's going to bring me into a wilderness place, I don't feel like looking up and saying thanks God for bringing me into a wilderness place. But see, even though it doesn't sound very appealing to you and to me, we don't see the wilderness like God does. And it so helps things to see circumstances the way God sees them. You realize when you see it like God sees it that the wilderness is a place of protection. It's not a place of danger. It's a place of protection. And here's why. Because in the wilderness, gone are all the conflicting voices and distractions and other competitors for your attention. You are alone there, which is exactly what God wants because in the wilderness what God does is He gets our undivided attention. God said to Israel in Hosea chapter 2, verse 6, just backing up a little bit in the same chapter, He said, Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and will wall you in. You will chase your lovers and you will not find them good stuff. You know what he's saying there? In the wilderness, when you get into a tough place, rough place, difficult place, you're going to go looking for those things that you were leaning on before you got into the wilderness, and you're not going to be able to find them. The only one that's there with you in the wilderness is God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. 
He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What is the next part? For thou with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You are preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the promise of God. So here's what he does in the wilderness. Here's God's way. You will look for those things that you have leaned on other than God, and you will find that you can't locate them. And that's all a part of God's plan and protection and weaning us away from anything but him. He protects you in the wilderness by cutting off every bad influence, every idol that has replaced him. And in doing so, he gets our undivided attention. So in the wilderness, instead of being distracted here, distracted there, going here, going there, leaning, in this, leaning on this and leaning on that, in the wilderness, we're alone and we have our Bible and we have a place to sit down. And there's nothing there but up. And God says, hello. I will lead you into a wilderness so I can get your undivided attention. Then next, I will speak tenderly to you there. The Hebrew actually reads like this. I will speak to your heart. I'll speak to your heart there. You know, God didn't quit speaking in the first century. Can I give you some news today? God, is, God has not quit speaking. You're going to tell me the devil can speak to us and tempt us and lure us into sin, but God can't talk? Listen, I've learned that if you're listening, God is talking. If I'm listening, God is talking. I will speak to your heart there. Rather than bring judgment or treat us harshly, in the wilderness of trouble, God chooses to be tender and speak to us tenderly there. This is the whole purpose of the wilderness experience that we would learn not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God told Israel that that was the reason he took them into the wilderness, to teach them. You don't live by bread alone, a paycheck alone, a roof over your head alone. Life comes from every word spoken out of the mouth of God. And he wants to speak to our heart. Have you noticed that one word from God can pick you up? One word from God can heal your life. You can be dragging in the dirt and God can speak one word and you're like a new man with miles and miles and miles of ability to run and walk and achieve and do because of one word from God. So, you know, Kathy and I, Kathy has a favorite talk show host. I won't tell you who he is because some of you would probably get mad. Now, he's conservative, not a liberal, don't, don't, but she's got, she listens every day. She orders her day around this talk show host. When this talk show host is on, I'm not anywhere in the house. She, he's got her attention. She just likes him. So when we traveled this week, we're, we're outside of Houston, and you know, uh, uh, AM, the AM channels, 570, 660, 880, uh, or 820 and 1080, they are, they are radio blowtorches. Their signal just carries. And so we were trying all the way to Houston to get this person in. And it was snap and crackle and 
interference and other voices. You'd get his voice, then another one, then another one, then his, then static, and then all kinds of noise. Finally, I turned off. I said, Kathy, good try. We can't do it. She went into deep prayer. No, I'm kidding. But me, always thinking metaphorically of some spiritual truth, uh, it occurred to me, that's the way we are with God. God is talking, but there's so much noise, there's so much competition out there in the hustle and bustle of life that we don't hear. We hear the voice of Jesus, then the voice of something else, then something else, then somebody else, and then noise, and then static. So God calls us to a wilderness place, gets our undivided attention, cuts out all the other voices, and then says, I am here. And he speaks. And boy, do we need to hear what he said. Remember Elijah. Here's Elijah. He is the man of the hour in his day. And he faces the prophets of Baal. He encourages them to put together this huge sacrifice of wood and water poured on top of the wood. And then more water poured on top of that water to where this wood pile was totally drenched in water. And then... Elijah called fire out of heaven, and it fell, and it consumed that offering where everybody there fell on their face and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. But then in one day, you see Elijah running from the threats of one woman, Jezebel. I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow night. He hits the trail. He's running. He ends up in the wilderness. He's under a juniper tree, and he says, God, kill me right. I'm not going to do it myself, but you do it. Kill me. I've had all this fun I can stand. Find somebody else to be the prophet. Kill me. And you know what God did? He sent an angel. The angel gave him food. He said, sit up and eat. You're going to need this because the journey's too far for you. So he ate it, fell back asleep. The angel woke him up again and said, eat some more. You're going to need it because the journey's too far for you. So he ate it again. And then he got up and he ran. You know how far he ran? 40 days and 40 nights on one meal. That's angel food cake. (laughs) And he gets to a cave. And when he gets to the cave, God said to him what he said to some of you just lately. What are you doing in here? What are you doing here? And Elijah said, well, Lord, I've been jealous for you. They're killing all your prophets. I alone am left. They're after me. I'm depressed. I'm done with this. And God said, go stand in the mouth of the cave. He goes to the mouth of the cave, and a great howling wind blew by. And it says God wasn't in the wind. And then a great fire roared by, and it says God wasn't in the fire. And then an earthquake came and shook everything around him. It says God wasn't in the earthquake. And then a still, small voice. It says he wrapped his face in the mantle and stood at the mouth of the cave, and he recognized that it was God. What was God doing? He was tuning him in, reacquainting him with his voice and speaking to him. In the wilderness, in a cave, alone. And that's what God does with you and with me. He speaks words of comfort, words of understanding, words of hope, words of encouragement, and words of restoration. So in our troubles, God often leads us into the wilderness, and he speaks comfort to our hearts. What's he saying to you today? Have you been listening? And the third I will is this. I will 
give you vineyards from there. Another version more accurately puts it this way. There in the wilderness, I will give back her vineyards to her. So God isn't saying to them, I'm going to give you brand new vineyards you've never seen before, though he does do that as well when you come out of a wilderness. But here's what God is saying. It's stronger and it's more personal. He's saying that he will restore the vineyards you lost in your time of trouble. I will give her her vineyards back. He's going to restore the vineyards you lost when you got attacked. You're going to regain lost ground. You're going to retake lost territory. You're going to rediscover lost joy. It's an old saying, but it's true. God will give you double for your trouble when you come out of the wilderness and he will give you vineyards, fruitfulness from that time that you were in there. The best fruit grows in the valley, not on the mountaintop. One thing you don't see on mountaintops is a bunch of fruit. You go to the valleries, uh, valleys, there's fruit everywhere. So he said, I'm going to give you vineyards from there. Boy, that is something you can sink your faith into. Amen? Some of you are, today are looking at devastation and loss. Things have attacked your life and you don't know what in the world has happened. It seems nothing good can come from what has happened. The enemy has come in like a flood and you don't see any hope. But I'm going to give you some hope today. It says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And God says, I'm never going to let the devil have the final say over my children. If you go through a wilderness of trouble, I'm going to take your hand, walk you through it to the other side and give you fruit from that place. God has a word for you. I want you to say it with me. He will give me back my vineyards, what I lost when I went through that trouble. It may not be the same person. Listen carefully. It may not be the same person. It may not be the same place. It may not be the same thing, but here's what it will be. It'll be the same quality of fruit and even better than that. God will give it back. And then the fourth, I will. I will transform the valley of Achor, the valley of your troubling, into a door of hope. This is so powerful because one thing you don't ever see in the wilderness of trouble is a door marked hope. See, a lot of doors marked, uh uh-oh, but not a lot of doors marked hope. But this is God's promise. I will transform your trouble. He makes all things work together for the good of those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. So I'm going to take that trouble, and if you will praise me and trust me and not get bitter and not walk away and abide in me, when I bring you out on the other side, I'm going to bring you out carrying fruit, and I'm going to open up a door of hope. A doorway means something you continuously walk through. It's not a one-time event, but you continually walk through a door, and that door is marked hope. But there's one condition. For that trouble to be transformed into hope. And I wouldn't be an honest preacher if I didn't tell you this. Here it is. Here's the condition. For the valley of trouble to be transformed into a door of hope, Achan must die. Remember how Achan was discovered and they took him and they brought him out? They said, oh, you who have troubled Israel. And he was executed. He was dealt with. He was handled. Joshua knew. We are paralyzed. We are locked in. There's no way we can move forward until Achan is dealt with. 
And so I'm going to deal with Achan. And once they dealt with Achan, the blessing came back. The doors began to open, doors of hope. They took over the promised land. They went where God had told them to go, but they couldn't go until Achan was dealt with. Achan is anything we have chosen instead of God. Achan is anything in our life that God has said no about. Achan is an area of compromise. Achan is that which we are hiding under the ground in our lives, hoping nobody knows about it because we had a desire for it, a lust for it, a need for it, a longing for it. So we've taken it and we're hiding it. And we hope that we can do that and walk with God as well. And I don't mean to meddle, but let me meddle. Let me just tell the truth. Because here's the deal. We put a person before God. Or some lust or sin that found its way into our soul. Or some painful event from our past that we've been unwilling to let go of. And whatever it is, Achan must die. Now, you might say that God shows us when we're in the wilderness and he's speaking comfortably to us. I've never been in a wilderness where God did not point out an Achan or two. And you know what he did? He showed me my Achan heart. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. But he showed me my Achan heart. You know what an Achan heart is? An Achan heart is a divided heart. And it's so easy to let something else in, in in the place of God. It's so easy to compromise and and, and kind of lose sight of him and lose touch with him. And so so he said, I'm going to have to deal with the Achan heart. The Achan heart has got to be dealt with before we see the door marked hope. Achan must die. And as soon as Achan is dealt with, God begins to transform the wilderness of trouble into a doorway of hope. Achan must die. Achan must die. You know, um, I know this to be true. I'm preaching out of personal experience. About 13 years ago, Kathy and I went through a really, really rough time. Deep, deep, deep valley, wilderness of trouble. And in that wilderness of trouble, we had a, a, there was a group of people who lied about us, slandered us, stole our personal property and sold it. Um, people that we knew, people that we had worked with. And here I was in my wilderness of trouble, and, and I knew that God had a call on my life and a destiny on my life. I knew that his hand was on me, and, and I knew in this wilderness of trouble that if I was ever going to see the destiny and the fruitfulness of God in my life again, I was going to have to get rid of my aching heart. And here was the aching that was in my heart. I didn't want to forgive. I wanted to see Texas justice. Y'all know what that is, Texas justice? I'll just leave it for you to consider and ponder. It's not pretty. Uh, Texas justice, and then you repent and say, God bless you, I do forgive you. Now that you're a big mess, I do forgive you. But no. How many of you are glad that there have been times in your life you weren't God? Because if you had been God, there there would be dust piles where there used to be people. Right? Well, that's where we were. And, and we, Kathy and I realized if we don't forgive, we're not going to be able to go on. If we don't forgive, then there's no way this valley of trouble, this wilderness of trouble is going to open up into a doorway of hope. So we decided, well, even though we don't feel it, we're going to do it. Because Jesus didn't say forgive others when you feel it. Because if you're waiting to feel it, you're not ever going to forgive because you're never going to feel like forgiving people who have hurt you and betrayed you and wronged you you got to say it. And we discovered if we would say it, our hearts would eventually follow. 
So we began to say, we forgive them, we forgive them, we forgive them. Not really for their sakes, but for our sakes. we got to move on. We forgive, Lord, we forgive, we forgive. And the more we said it, the freer we got. And guess what happened? The door of hope began to open. As we dealt with our Achan heart, the door of hope began to open. This church opened. Can I tell you, now we're reaching more people than we ever have in our life. We've got a better church than we've ever had. There is fruitfulness everywhere, but we had to deal with Achan. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me today, would you? And I want you to say with me, in my wilderness of trouble, he will speak to my heart there. He'll restore lost vineyards there. And he'll transform my trouble into a door of hope. Isn't that a good word? Isn't that a good word? If you believe that, raise your hand. Can you bow with me for a moment? God told me to do something this morning in prayer before we left the house. It's like he said, Jeff, there's going to be a lot of people there hurting, in trouble of some kind. And I want you to invite them in that wilderness of trouble to come to the altar and stand there. Because I want to speak to them there. And I want to minister to them there. And I want to do that right now. If you're in a wilderness of trouble, would you slip your hand up? Let me see you. I want to, I want to give you this call. I want to ask you to come and stand in the altar right now. We're going to wait on you. Come and stand in the altar. Just come down. Because we're going to deal with our aching heart. We're going to let God touch our aching heart. Holy Spirit is moving in a way it's just so real right now. Some of you are tired of your aching heart. And you're ready for the Holy Spirit to kill Achan, whatever that thing is. the Spirit. Some of you, your aching heart is that you got hurt in a church before this one. 
and you have said to yourself, I might go, I might sit towards the back, but I'll never get involved again. You're letting your former pain keep you from your destiny. Kathy and I said, we're not going to let any person, no matter what they did or said, keep us from our destiny. This is our destiny right here. You're looking at it. Today, we've already spoken to every state in the union by radio. That's our destiny. But if we hadn't gotten rid of the ache and heart, wouldn't be here. Some of you, it's a person that you need to turn loose of. A habit, something hidden in the ground under the bed. And I want us just to lift our hands and say, Lord, I can't kill Achan myself, but you can. If I by the Spirit do put to death the deeds of the body, I will live. So I want you to say with me, Lord, I give Achan to you. I give Achan to you. I turn loose of Achan in Jesus' name. I let it go. And I ask you, Lord, to do what I can't do. By the Spirit of God, do it. Kill that Achan in my life. In Jesus' name, break my heart free from it today. And I believe you for it, Lord. Now I tell you by the Spirit of God, Achan will not stand. Achan will not prevail. Achan will no longer rule. Achan will no longer sidetrack you. Achan will no longer detour you. But by the power of the Lord and by the power of His Spirit, Achan has been taken out of your life. In the name of Jesus. Now, Father, we worship you today. I want you to lift your hands and let's just worship him again. And let the Spirit give you the confidence that it is done. God says, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. I'm going to open a door where there is no door. I'm going to create the door that I will open. And you will walk through into a blessed place, into a wholesome place, into a healed place, into a fulfilling place. Don't look around you and about you and say there is no way out and there is no hope. For I, the Lord, am your way maker and I will make a way where there is no way. I will blaze a trail where there is no trail and I will bring a stream in your desert. You will not die, but you will live you will not perish, but you will survive and you will thrive. Don't doubt me, but believe me. Lay hold of my promises and know that I will get you to the other side. And not just for your sake, but for the sake of those who are going to hear what I did for you and are going to be encouraged by your testimony. In Jesus' name, give him praise. Thank you, Lord. 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 If you believe that, say amen, good and loud. Amen.